Hello everyone, it's Victor, your guy, aka Five Wedges, with a Masters recap. What a week we just concluded. The week started out with a bit of anxiety, a bit of curiosity, not just for the golf fan, but for the Masters, for the PGA, a little bit of anxiety for Live, Live Golf, and it did not let us down. The week again started with anxiety around the champion's dinner. No one really understood what the atmosphere in the room would be like. How would live golfers, former Masters champions, how would they interact with past PGA Tour Masters champions? And it sounds like that went off rather well. The next bit of anxiety was the actual tournament itself with the pairings include live golf members with PGA Tour members? Would they get along? Would that affect their play? It appears that none of that mattered. When the golfers got inside the ropes, the only focus was the green jacket. The four days that mattered, 72 holes. And boy, what a Sunday. Certainly a Sunday unlike any Sunday that we can remember. If for no other reason, then we saw PGA Tour members battling Live Golf members. Live Golf members battling PGA Tour members. Despite the separate golf leagues, it still proved to be what we've come to know as a typical Sunday at the Masters. With this recap, We'll cover a number of topics, certainly our champion, John Rahm. And if you recall dating back to the first episode of 2023 for the Tita Green Golf Podcast, John Rahm was a golfer to keep our eye on. And up to this point in the 2023 season, he certainly has not disappointed. And so we'll talk certainly about John and and go into detail and, and really begin to forecast what does the next three, four, five months look like as we begin the process of leading up to Eastlake and the end of year event. Tiger Woods, another valiant effort, certainly wanting to take a look and imagine all that he goes through, his internal will, his fortitude, his desire to be to be an image that people can certainly appreciate the integrity, the dignity of the game, the ability to persevere and to play. And ultimately, it just became too much. And prior to the resumption of the third round, we saw WD from arguably the game's best golfer. Then Roy McElroy, someone who has been the face of the PGA Tour live golf debate for over a year now. Rory continuing to grind and looking for that one Masters victory that will finally allow him to be mentioned in the greats, those that have won the career Grand Slam. Rory found himself in a really precarious and unfortunate situation. He didn't make the cut this week. And so we'll talk a little bit about the weight that Rory must carry. We'll talk a little bit about 
How can he balance all of his interests, particularly those outside of the game? What needs to happen for Rory just to approach the Masters really in much the same way that we heard John Rahm does? At peace, take it hole by hole, stick with your game, stick with the plan, and find a way to win. So we'll talk a little bit about the challenges or maybe some of the challenges that Rory is is experiencing these days. We'll get into a little bit of the Live Golf PGA Tour or Live Golf official world golf ranking points. Is it time for the OWGR to give credibility and welcome some of Live's best players and arguably still the game's best players. Is it time for them to open up and welcome them into the points rankings? And then we'll talk about those golfers who experience the Masters. And as we all know, the top 12 golfers are automatically invited back to the Masters. And so some of those individuals uh, certainly earned their way to come back in 2024. And we'll talk a little bit about them and what we should look for from those individuals for the rest of the year. One of the things that I'm dubbing, John, and if you go back to earlier episodes this year, I have stated that I believe John is the best chaser the game has seen in the last 10, 15, 25 years. And certainly, he didn't do anything this week to make me change my mind. And so, want to just see that in the TD Green Golf Podcast community. I've given John a new nickname. I know Rombo is what we all know him by, but I am now calling him John, a.k.a. Ketcha Rom. Because certainly... If he is within two, three, four shots on a Sunday, golfers have to look over their shoulders and wonder how is his Sunday playing out? And then we'll just talk about a few of those golfers who we really came to understand as solid competitive golfers going back two, three, four, five years, specifically Jason Day and Justin Rose. And so what should we look for from that group going forward for the remainder of the year? We've talked about Jason on a number of episodes now, and and he certainly did not disappoint this week and, and has showed a tendency to be consistent in 2023. Body is feeling good. Game is looking good. So we'll dive a little bit more into Jason and anticipate what the rest of the year looks like for him. And so as we dig in, Tiger Woods. Yes, Tiger gave it a valiant effort. And I'm sure, like me, many of you really struggled watching him on Saturday when the weather was bad and it appeared that his plantar fasciitis kicked in and he was really limping home. The last hole he played on Saturday before the round was canceled was 17. And if you remember the images, he was noticeably in pain and working his way towards the green and ultimately the clubhouse. And so what can we expect from Tiger for the rest 
of the year. At this point, it appears to be much of the same. He has been very honest with the golf community and stated that his focus is to get his body together for the majors. And really, that appears to be the only, only need that he has right now. No one is debating that he can't hit the ball like we've always known him to hit the ball. No one is debating that he's lost distance or ball speed. It is simply, can El Tigre, can the GOAT get his body together for four rounds and ultimately compete for the majors? In between that, it's possible, maybe less possible, that we will see him play a regular tour event outside of those that he sponsors? Probably not. We can all be optimistic, but it is unlikely that we'll see the GOAT playing a non-major event, particularly this year. And as he stated in his master's press conference, he does not know how many more of these he has. And so we can probably protract that out and say that we don't know how much the GOAT is going to be with us as a golfer going forward. Certainly, let's all tip our hat. It was great to see him. It was great to see him swinging that golf club again. Let's cherish these moments. Let's cherish these moments and savor the memories that he's given us for so, so, so many years. And so we'll bid farewell to Tigers Masters 2023, and we'll anticipate seeing him in the next major. Rory, very difficult, very, very difficult to see what, what he displayed over the first two days of the Masters. And it's been really, really interesting. Certainly, I'm not in a position to, to, to really be critical of, of Rory. I'm not in his camp. But I, but I am observant. And so in this case, we know that the bigger events in 2023, Rory has seemed to struggle. Let's take the WGC match play and shove that aside where he played well. If we go back to the players, uh, we could make a case that his performance in the players was very similar to his performance at the Masters. We know that coming out of the players, Rory spent some time with TaylorMade. It was reported that part of the issue with his driver could have been the length of his shaft. And so they reduced the length of his shaft. Rory came back. We saw a really, really strong performance leading up to this week, the week of the Masters. And then we had this. And so he's got a lot. And maybe the weight of the Live Golf PGA Tour really bore on him as an additional weight to his ability, to his desire to not only perform well at the Masters, but certainly get the monkey off his back and win the Masters that would ultimately give him the career Grand Slam. Don't know what Rory does in terms of go forward. He certainly has three majors left, some other big tournaments for the rest of the year. 
but it stands the reason that Rory really has to find a place to maybe delegate or push some of these external issues off of his plate and really bring to the bring to the table, bring inside the ropes, the Rory McElroy that we know he truly, truly can be. Free his head, relax himself, and just hit the ball. Hit it off the tee. Choose the right iron. Optimize your wedges and put the ball in the hole. So very hopeful that we'll see a more consistent performance from Rory going forward, particularly if we look at these first three and a half months. If we measure the next three and a half months, which will definitely include some majors, my expectation, my anticipation is that we will see a more competitive Rory, specifically in those major events, but hopeful, hopeful that he does some assessment uh, really starting on, on Saturday and seeks to understand what may be blocking him and can he get enough of that out of his way so that he can truly become someone to be considered as player of the year right now. Um, John Rahm is certainly leading that pack. We know that Scotty Scheffler is is really a close second. Rory has been in that conversation. And so I would anticipate that he does not leave much traction behind John and, and steps up so that we see that type of performance from him going forward. Live Golf, don't know where you stand on that side of the debate, but I just wonder if coming out of the major there's time for the official world golf ranking to really consider giving them points. They definitely, definitely provided a strong showing this week. Three live golf members positioned themselves in the top eight this week, led by Brooks Kepka, then Phil Mickelson, and then Patrick Reed. Two of the three are former Masters champions. And not only did they position themselves in the top 10, but they really moved themselves up the leaderboard on Sunday. And for me, when you can close that strong, it says something about your talent. It says something about your mental and your competitive mindset. And it says something about your overall game. So if the OWGR doesn't open it up now, maybe a seed has been planted for them to consider that going forward. Don't know where Live Golf members stand in their ability to play in the majors for the rest of this year. I suspect that the PGA event won't be one that they are allowed to play in. But the Open and the U.S. Open certainly should be ones that, that we see them playing in in 2023. Sticking with Live Golf, one thing that, uh, that maybe was a head-scratcher this week, and I don't know where you all stood on this, but uh, we, we had about six days of a very muted Phil Mickelson. Coming out of the champion's dinner on Tuesday night, we heard that he did not say much. He was in attendance, and that's about all that he was. 
We know that he didn't do any press conferences this week and really focused on his game. And so however you decide to summarize that, uh, make a statement to it, position it within your circles, uh, I'll leave that up to you. But it was very interesting that the Phil Mickelson that many of us have known for decades upon decades was not the Phil Mickelson at the 2023 Masters Tournament. Moving on, as I mentioned earlier, we have a number of golfers that play their way into automatic invitations for the 2024 Masters. Some of these golfers are are, are golfers that I talked about early in the year during an episode that we, the Tee to Green Golf Podcast community, were going to keep our eyes on as golfers that had really solid 2022s and really came into 2023 with, with solid momentum. One person that I continue to keep my eye on and really enjoy watching this individual play is Sahith Thagala. Yes, had a very solid Saturday, had a very solid Sunday, placed within the top 12. Good news is we will see Sahith in the 2024 Masters. Victor Hovland. Victor really has been on the cusp of being in the conversation of a major winner probably for the past two seasons, maybe season and a half, Victor really has been able to get out of the gates on Thursday and Friday strong. He did that again this year at the Masters, leading the Masters after Thursday, seemed to flame out just a little bit on Friday. Saturday was tough for everyone. Um, For the tournament, Victor ended up playing the equivalent of one over par for the final three days. Believe he came in at six under where he started Thursday at seven under. Nonetheless, he earned an automatic bid to come back to the 2024 Masters. Russell Henley, really, really happy for Russell. Um, Russell is kind of a throwback golfer to the Corey Pavin days. He is just a steady golfer that is consistent from tee to green. Um, Russell doesn't hit the ball long off the tee. Oftentimes, depending on where we're at, he may use one or two fairway woods, certainly solid with his long irons. And the good news is that as a native Georgian living in Columbus, Georgia, someone who is intimately familiar with the Masters dating back to his childhood years. Uh, He had an opportunity to play. He played extremely well this year, and he positioned himself within the top 12 to finish the tournament. And so we can anticipate seeing Russell Henley really, really solid and steady playing in the 2024 Masters. What to expect? What do we expect going forward? Talked about Jason Day. We know that Jason has gone through bouts of injuries, uh, plenty of injuries, specifically his back, that really has disabled him from playing to the levels that we understood and watched him play at two or three years ago. Those injuries seem to be behind Jason right now. 
He's had a really, really, really solid 2023. I believe he made the quarterfinals in the WGC match play in Austin before ultimately losing out. I believe he lost to Roy McIlroy. Uh, but nonetheless, Jason, I believe, finished the tournament this year at three under par, which is another solid showing for him. And so what do we anticipate going into the warmer months of the season? I look for much of the same from Jason going forward. I suspect that these first three, three and a half months have been a really, really good litmus test for him. He is understanding where his game is. He's understanding what needs to be tweaked and the ability to tweak it. The, the new swing that he has developed to support his body seems to be working for him. So with all cylinders operating where he needs them to, I anticipate that we'll see a really steady Jason. We'll see somebody who competes. Uh, we'll see somebody who finishes in the top 10. And the right tournament, I expect, and I would not be surprised, if we had a Jason Day victory in 2023. The other, the other one that I'm really happy about is, is Justin Rose. And, and Justin's game took a turn for uh, maybe the worst uh, at some point late last year, and he seemed to be searching for things. But Jay, Justin has gotten things back on track, finished a two under for the week. And so he is another Another steady golfer, someone that has always been in contention going back two to five years. Looks like he's found things again. And so I would anticipate that we will see a competitive Justin Rose going forward for the rest of the season, just as I would expect the same thing from a Jason Day. Other notables who had a really, really solid week. Uh, these are golfers that have been mentioned in previous episodes of the TD Green Golf Podcast. Uh, we saw a really, really strong day from Jordan Spieth. Uh, Jordan was paired with Phil Mickelson, and they really seem to be an iron sharpens iron pairing today. Uh, Jordan really, really had a solid day. So let's hope that Jordan can use this week and really catapult him to higher levels of performance, staying in contention as the rest of the season progresses. We saw solid performances from Xander Shoffley, and, and I'm really looking for Xander to, to, to really take another step or two up that ladder and ultimately find himself in the winner's circle for the rest of the year. I like Colin Morikawa. We've talked about him on previous episodes. Um, Colin was a little bit inconsistent this week, but but certainly found himself in the top 12, top 15. I know we know that Colin has gone through some swing changes, really worked very, very hard to make sure that his fade is consistent and something that he can rely on. And so he's probably still working on that. No one has ever debated his ability to strike the ball. Iron plays extremely solid. Um, I know that he's working on his short game and really working on being a more consistent putter with he and his putting coach. And so we'll look for 
improvement for the rest of this year. And ideally, we will see Colin competing more and getting himself back in the winner's circle, including another major. Matt Fitzpatrick. Matt is silently hanging around, and, and he did that again this week. Another top 12, top 15 finish this week in the Masters. Uh, I know that Matt is a, is a solid golfer, seems to have his moments in the middle of rounds, which really takes him out of, con, out of contention. And so we'll look for stronger performance from uh, stronger, more consistent performance for Matt as the rest of the year moves forward. But today, today was really about John Rahm. And it was interesting because as the day started, the experts all anticipated that John would find himself in the winner's circle despite starting the actual day, which was the conclusion of the third round, being three shots behind Brooks. And I just, I don't think it was anything that Brooks did uh, in listening to John. John is someone that embraces the chase. And he talked about it as much in his post-game interview, really understood where that moment of putting his foot on the gas was. And he talked about it from the eighth hole to the 13th hole. And on the 13th hole during the fourth round, he really said that that was the goal moment for him. And the moment that he made his move uh, ultimately shut the door on Brooks and and Brooks gave a really, really strong effort. Good to see him healthy. And so we'll, we'll look forward to what he does for the rest of the year. But today was about John. And, and it was really good as, as someone who really enjoys sport, enjoys the history of sport. It was wonderful to see John embrace what today truly meant. It was far more for him than just finding himself in historical infamy as a Masters winner. Today was a 40th anniversary as his fellow statesman, yes, another Spaniard from Spain, Seve Ballesteros, won the Masters. It was also a moment where John captured his first one, his family. Uh, he talked about how his mother and father embraced the game as a young boy. And so April 9th will always mean a tremendous amount. John is a historian. And so to see him embrace Jose Maria Olatabo, to see him talk about Sergio, beautiful, beautifully, Spain has produced four Masters winners. And, and there is a tremendous tie in, in passing the baton from Seve to Jose Maria, to Sergio, and to now John. John embraces that. He is proud of it. And it was fabulous to see him talk about that. So what a week. We started with the anxiety and the curiosity around the Live Golf PGA Tour. We knew and we come to understand that the Masters is not about foolishness. 
and they did a tremendous job of making sure the game was about the game or the week was about the players. Ultimately, that's how it played out. It played out competitively with a member of the PGA Tour going mano a mano with a member of the Live Golf Tour. And so I'm sure there will be far many more stories to come as the days and the weeks and the months progress and the seasons go on. But we close out this episode of the T-Degree in Golf podcast, Masters Recap, by tipping our hat to John Rahm, winner of the 2023 Masters Tournament. Production support of the T-Degree in Golf podcast is from Dominic Fiore, of the Digital Audio Recording Arts Department at the University of St. Francis. As we always say, hit it straight from T to green, we are out.